This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in to another edition of This Week in UNC Baseball with head coach Scott Forbes. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Matt Clements. And, of course, the man in the middle, Coach Scott Forbes. Coach, get right into it. I know you're a busy man. Uh, good series win against Duke this past weekend. Um, clutch plays, clutch home run from Horvath Saturday to take the series. After having a moment uh, to or a couple of days to sort of digest it, what did you see from your team that really excites you in that Duke series? Man, I tell you what, I think overall, the thing that excites me the most is just their toughness factor. Because, you know, teams now, this year in the ACC, it's getting more like this every year. Um, they're talented, and anybody can beat anybody. And it comes down to playing well and good old-fashioned toughness and being able to take some punches in a game because you're going to get them. Um, but also, I thought we played well. And that's what you're hoping, you know, baseball's 27 outs. It's a long game. Can you play well from start to finish? Can you make plays? Can you defend? Um, is your bullpen getting better? Things like that. And that's what it seems to be happening. We hope we continue to, to improve. Um, but I'm a firm believer that if you can get a little bit better every day, every series, you know, you can get where hopefully you want to be come June. One thing that I – it was good to see from a human standpoint, not as a reporter, not as a, a fan or anything like that, but see Johnny C – um, struggle and then step up. Um, we talked to him after the game, talked to you after the game on Saturday. Um, and you mentioned about him growing up and becoming a, a young man and, and a good baseball player. Just as far as team-wise, how important it is, is it for that to happen, not only with him but with everybody? Yeah, you know, you hope that that's the culture of your program is that the players, you know, they grow up in the right way. Uh, they understand that part of that growth is always putting the team first, being able to get over yourself. Um, and Johnny, he's always been a phenomenal kid, really high character kid, but he, he let things linger. And if he made a mistake, he would let it, he would carry it out to the field. Um, you know, especially offensively, if he was struggling offensively, it affected him defensively. He's worked really hard on that, and he also has worked on being able to play different positions. And third base is still fairly new to him, but he knew that hey, if he could play and play it well, it opened up some options for us with Mac. And uh, you know, it's, it's neat for me to see because 
Johnny's had to deal with that blood clot, had to deal with some adversity, and he's handled it the right way. You know, to make those errors, I don't know if he would have even done that last year. I think it would have really gotten to him. I'd have been more concerned about leaving him out there, but I wasn't concerned at all because, you know, I'm around him every day and I've seen his growth and his maturity, and I've seen that with a lot of our guys. And I don't think, you know, Tommy, if guys can't do that, they have trouble, you know, taking that next step. You know, you look at guys here like Danny Serretti and Angel Zarate, uh, Matt Horvath. You know, it's a growth. It, it is about growing, and there, there should be a big difference. I should be to see a big difference between you and your 18 and 20 years old or 21 years old. Coach Forbes, can you talk about what you saw from your starting pitching? Max Carlson, Connor Bovier, and Jake Knapp all went over five innings. They all gave up three runs. Bovier had a perfect game going through, uh, you know, four <laughs> and two-thirds. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, you, I'm pleased that they went five. I still think they can do better. Um, you know, you get into that six, into that seventh, you got to have one of them do that too. Uh, you know, yes, it's a plus that they all went five, but I'd like for two of them to go five and one of them to go eight because that does help your bullpen a little bit. You don't have to necessarily pitch a guy like AC 70 pitches in game one. So, they, they, they both pitched well. I thought Carlson did a really good job of, of staying with it. Um, and that was important for us with the next two games. Uh, I think the next step for Connor is, you know, I want him to take that next step and, and get into the seventh. If you're going to be that good through the first four, you need to be as good those next three. And the, some of the best starters we've had here, you know, the Alex Weiss, the Ken Emanuels, all those guys, you don't get them early. They're going to be out there in that seventh inning, and that's that's the next step we want to make. And Knapp, he impressed me probably as much as all, all the other two because he had really been under the weather. I didn't know if he was going to pitch. He had a really bad virus, really high temperature. He was able to pitch, and he battled through it, and he made some big pitches for us against a good lineup, um, and he pitched in effective as well. Yeah, and, and then you, you were talking about your bullpen and then he's going uh, three innings and getting a hold. Then also, Will Sandy came up huge on Saturday, you know, striking out five and three innings and getting a yep. save. And then the and then the pen on Friday was a little little a different story. Walking a you know four batters. Can you talk about how the bullpen performed this weekend and what you saw out of East and Sandy? Yeah, I mean, you know, Friday I thought that, thought they pitched pretty dang well. Um, you know, I think Sandy is the story of the weekend. Because we needed somebody. AC was was on fumes. Poston was on fumes. Poston had pitched back to back days, and heck, Poston, you know, he ain't done, he ain't given up much, and he gave up the home run. But it was a pretty pretty decent pitch. It was just a little too too high up in the zone to Mooney, who's, who's going to make you pay when you make a mistake. Sandy going out there and us being able to say, okay, we're sending him also out there in the ninth, says a lot about what we think of him and how he's been throwing. And we did talk about how if you really break down his outings lately, he's got a lot of swing and misses. That's one thing him and AC have in common. Not only are they striking people out, they're also getting a lot of swings and misses. And there is a difference, right? You can get some hard contact and have some strikeouts looking, or, but they're getting swings and misses. And that's what you need sometimes out of your bullpen. And to have that from a right-hander and to have that from a left-hander. And, 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 you know, Selfishly, I'm just really proud because Sandy's he's that type of guy. If there's one guy on our team that everybody is hoping he does well, every one of his teammates is Will Sandy. 
wanted to ask you back up to Connor for a second. Um, mentioned the four and two thirds perfect. When you go back and look, and I don't know how much I assume you guys evaluate everything, but when you go back and look, what changed for him from being perfect to sort of getting off the rails a little bit right there? Was it something, uh, you know, in his windup? Was it just location? Was it getting a little tired? What did you see there? You know, I think the biggest thing was was his emotions. Um, he had a long at bat. There was a hit by pitch that got reviewed. I think it was Storm or Stone. Which which one? One of the two. It might have been Storm. And they got into it a little bit. You know, they were jawing a little bit. And we talk about the importance of you can't let that affect you and you can't get into that part too much. Like, you can have emotions, but they need to be targeted towards your team. Um, so, really, I just thought his his emotions got out of – his control a little bit. And instead of focusing on what he had been doing the whole time, he was focusing on the fact that, that they were, you know, they were running their, their mouths to each other. And that, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, I tell our guys, you're not talking to the other team. You're not talking to the other dugout. You can have emotions, but you're not going to be Bush league and you're not going to play the game the wrong way. So I think Connor, he learned a very, very valuable lesson that, you know, that, that the baseball guys, they'll get you. <laughs> If, if you if you let that happen um and I, I really thought that was that was it you know I thought if he'd have settled in and moved past that quicker he might have gone out there until the seventh yeah, it was interesting there was there was you know gal on Saturday with the holding the ball for five <laughs> or six seconds all the gamesmanship stuff that's part of the reason I love baseball I mean I know some of it's BS but it, it is also pretty interesting to see how it goes Talking back, talking about Will Sandy, you mentioned. I mean, he's an old guy. He's been he's been around the game forever. I, I thought something from a media standpoint is when we talked to him midweek, he wasn't really much of a talker. We talked to him after that Duke game. He was jacked up and he was pumped up. Um, speak to that emotion. Uh, I mean, the crowd certainly had it going for you guys all weekend, uh, and Sandy sort of fed off of it. The whole team fed off of it but just sort of speak to the level of emotion you want to see from your guys. Yeah. I want them to play with emotions. I, you know, I, I say we, there, there's, you watch Derek Jeter, you watch Mariano Rivera, but if you watch the best, the elite, they play with emotions, a Michael Jordan, a Tom Brady, but they also, they don't play with what I call Bush league emotions. You know, they play, they still respect the game and play it the right way. And I want him to have passion. I want him to get fired up. And you saw how fired up Will Sandy was. That's important. But you have to control your emotions as well. So you can't play angry, basically, is how I talk to him. You know, you can play emotional. But if you get on the anger side, you're in trouble. The game's going to get you at any level. Um, and, and, and the team that can handle their emotions the best through the course of a season, in my opinion, are the better teams. Um, but the crowd, how about the crowd? I mean, that was awesome. And, and we've been – that's a big deal and it helps us. And Carter Hicks was telling me this morning, like that's probably the biggest back to back to back crowds we've had since maybe 2015 or against NC state or something. And if we can keep doing that, that helps our guys. Mac, you know, mentioned something to it in a post game interview. It felt like a regional, um, you know, that matters. And it helps us create a home field advantage. And you guys watch these games, you know, when you get in the, some of those SEC games that helps him win games, but that's good to see from Sandy. See that fire, I liked it. 
And you just mentioned the SEC. And, you know, at this point in the season, the SEC is first in conference ELO, according to WarrenNolan.com, with the ACC second. You know, can you talk about the the competition in the ACC and and how those two ESPN, you know, league products are competitive and, and sort of at the, the cream of the crop in NCAA uh, baseball? I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding, right? I mean, you look at – I hadn't looked at the rankings, not that the rankings – there's a reason I haven't looked at them today, but there are a lot of ACC and SEC teams in there. And there are a lot of ACC teams that aren't in there that could be in there. And the same thing probably with the SEC, both powerful conferences. Um, I think, you know, the best teams in the ACC could be the, S- the best teams in the SEC and vice versa. I mean, you know, they're, it, it just keeps getting better and it keeps getting harder because there aren't any doormats anymore. Um, you know, the teams that used to be at the bottom are getting better and better. And that's a credit to, you know, their administration making a commitment probably to the, to the program, but also to the coaching. And uh, major league baseball teams are getting ready to head out of spring training. How exciting is it for you to see diamond Hills alumni gearing up for the regular season? And seeing somebody like Michael Bush getting ready to make his Major League Baseball debut. You know, that is the neatest thing ever because it's every kid's dream. Um, and not many of them get to to experience that, especially at the big league level. But we also have a lot of guys, you know, that are playing in the minor leagues hoping to get that opportunity. Um, so I, that's the one thing I do once it starts. I just check every morning. I have the MLB package so I can rewatch games, which is nice. Um, if our guys, you know, are playing or pitching, you know, Gallon obviously is the opening day starter for the Diamondbacks. I usually watch every one of his outings, but I can go back the next day and watch it a lot quicker the way they cut it up on MLB. Um, but I also get Carter to give me all the updates on how our guys did in the minors so I can stay in touch with them, shoot them texts and things like that. And Because it's a grind. You know, I remind myself that these guys, it's a long season. Um and how much they did for us. So I want to stay in touch and let them know we're supporting them. But it's exciting, obviously. Anytime you have a chance, too, to potentially go to someone's major league debut, which I've done a lot, especially with Coach Fox, has been a really special event. Yeah, it's fascinating to see those guys uh, get to the next level. I mean, we, we see guys go pro all the time. You never hear from them again. Um, but it's cool how the Carolina family stays in touch with them. Let, yep. me, let me turn to Coastal a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, uh, you know, a big time baseball program, um, you've got them a midweek game. What do you expect to see, um, from your team, but not just your team, but from coastal and, and tell us a little bit about the pitching plan for Tuesday. That's a great question. Coach Gaines and I spent about 45 minutes talking about it this morning. First thing, um, we're actually trying to decide who to start, um, you know, we may start AC, we may start Cam Pageant, who hasn't started a game. Both have pitched really well for us. We do feel like we need Kevin AC as as we get going. You know, we're going to need that kid. He can start, we know that, but we also know he's really good at the bullpen. And when you have a guy like that that has that much swing and miss, you want your pitching staff to get better. So we're going to need him available Friday. Um, but Coastal's a really good team. They always are. Uh, Coach Gilmore's been there forever. They're going to play hard. They're going to play with that edge. Uh, they're going to run the bases extremely aggressive. Um, but I would, you know, we're going to start Cam Pageant or Kevin Acey. I'll probably decide after lunch today. 
Um, but we're going to try to throw a lot of guys because we also don't want to wear everybody out, uh, you know, because we know it's going to be really tough at Notre Dame. You look at Notre Dame, they had a chance. They, they almost swept Louisville. And they're going to play well at home. But we got to focus on Coast. we got to focus on this game before we get to Notre Dame. But we'll have a plan. Um, you know, they're they're tough. In, in my opinion, they might be the best team we've played potentially midweek. I, you know, Charlotte was good. There's some other teams that are good. But it'll be a great midweek game here. And hopefully we'll have a big crowd for it. Let, let me ask you, you mentioned uh, you're constantly recruiting and all that stuff. One thing I've noticed, and I have noticed, Duke seemed to have a, a truck full of guys that could throw 95 and up. Yeah. W when you're recruiting pitchers, obviously with your your long history of that, what are you looking for in a pitcher on the recruiting trail specifically? Number one is command. Um you know, it depends on the man. I mean, obviously now velocity is always going to play, but it doesn't play unless you throw the ball where you want to. Um, so I don't, I don't like bringing guys in. Even if they throw hard, if their command's a C, to me they're a one or two inning guy. Um, and you better have a bunch of other really good guys if you're going to have too many of those guys or you're going to be trying to piece the game together and your starters are never going to go five innings. Um and I think you have to trust your development after the command that guys will throw harder. Uh, you know, I went back and watched our game. It's interesting because our scoreboard velocity is not the same as some of the track man velocity that have been recorded. Um, and our history has been our guys, their velocity starts jumping into the late months of March and April. Um, Bovair on track man the other day, his average fastball was about 92.4. So that's a good fastball if that's your average. Uh, however, you know, if you can get some guys that have that velocity and they can locate it, it's, it's a huge advantage. I look at Duke, um, you know, and I, and I felt like our starters may not have had as much velocity even as their starters, but they went longer. And then they were able to go one, one, one most of the time except for the lefty out of the bullpen. And those guys were blowing. They had that one guy was throwing cheese. I mean, that was just – you don't see that no matter where you are very often, 95, 98. That's hard to find. Big get, boy, too. That was a big boy. Um, but, you know, I think Nat might could do that if he was out of the bullpen. You know, that kid's out of the bullpen, he's letting it rip. But uh, you kind of get lucky with it sometimes, too, because you're going to have probably four or five guys in your recruiting class – that might be right now in high school, like 92, 95. But the question is, can you get them to campus? And if you do get them to campus, then you got something pretty special. Um, you guys remember when Barb was here before all that velocity was something that dude was out there in 95, 98. You just didn't see that, but that plays. Um, but you're also going to have guys like Robert Woodard that win 34 games that sit 84, 87, that just carve you up. And to me, still to this day, if a guy doesn't have command, we're going to get to him. You know, if he's got one pitch, we're going to get to him. And I felt like what made some of guys, some of Duke's velocity guys more effective than the others was they had an all-speed pitch. So to answer your question, a long answer is commands, number one for me, athleticism would be number two because I feel like those guys are going to keep getting better like a Zach Gallon, like an Alex White, athletic guys that played multiple sports. And then you want to try to get some guys that can match up and, and get some velocity um, and, and just throw fastballs by guys one or two innings.
on a sort of related note, uh, what's your opinion on the difficulties of having legitimate two-way players in college baseball with the limits on practice time and development and, and everything? You mean two-way as in multiple sports? Um, or, or no, two-way as far as like position players and pitching. Yeah, you know, I think it's more you just have to be, you have to be ultra, ultra talented. It's that hard. Um because it takes a lot of time in those cages to be a great hitter. It takes a lot of time in that bullpen to be a great pitcher, to, make, to be complete. And what happens a lot of times is kids are getting here and you think they're going to be a two-way guy, but one is way better than the other. And then you're like, okay, well, if you keep spending time on pitching, for instance, you could be our Friday night guy, but you're still a 12th or 13th hitter. To bridge the gap, you're going to have to take away from your pitching. You know, So if you have a rare guy that can do both and he's that gifted, you're going to let him do it, but there aren't many. They think they're all capable until they get here and they see it's a lot harder than they think to do. Most of the time, to me, the best ones are, you know, a guy that that's a pitcher that's like a like a closure that's a legitimate position player. Those usually have the most impact on your team. Because what could Major League Baseball and the NCAA do together to help the development of baseball, in your opinion? Together? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, I do think they're working better together. And I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like if they moved the draft, they kept it back to where it was a little bit earlier. I think that would help all of us, um, you know, just just plan better and work more, even better together. I think it being so late pushed the colleges at a disadvantage. And that's why your numbers are high, because you're worried this guy is going to go here in the draft and then he does it then he comes back um but you know they've eliminated some of the minor league teams and more guys are going to college uh and you're seeing a lot of the major league rosters with you know over 60 percent of college type players so i think i think it's grown i think they're looking at colleges more like hey you know those kids are developing in college and they're a safer pick because they're more mature, they've had to play at a really high level, and I'm not afraid to move this guy up in the minor leagues quickly to Double A AA to Triple A. Where if you're a high, if you have a high school kid, you gotta you gotta be a little bit slower um, because he's not going to be as mature and he hasn't been out in his own as much. That is UNC baseball head coach Scott Forbes, Carolina Coastal. Time to be determined on Tuesday, I guess. Um, yeah, that. Ryan just called me and said we might have to move it up, but I'll, you know, right now it's still at six. The earliest would be four. Sounds good. And then a road trip to Notre Dame, then Charlotte, South Carolina, and then on the road again to Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's going to be a tough two weeks, boys, but we'll, we'll yeah. get after it. Yeah, indeed. Coach, always appreciate it. Thank you, all. Y'all have a great week. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.